Hi, everyone. My name is Julia G. I am the new host for these With CP podcasts. Today is Thursday, August 19th, and I hope you are all having a really great day. It is currently 12-12. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. And the sky is nice and blue. And we are about to have David Donkey in here in a moment. Hi, David. How are you doing? Good, Julia. How are you? you get your, you're running your podcast. Yes, this is my first ever podcast episode, and I am honored to have you here as a guest. Absolutely. And I am totally fired up to come in as a guest because I haven't been on this side of it. So awesome. Yes, we are super excited to chat with you today. We're going to be asking a few questions. Um, we're going to be essentially di diving deep with David Domke today. Awesome. So, Julia, uh, you're going to be doing the podcast. Uh, you're going to be kind of the main host. Uh, I'll still do some as a host sometimes. Charles probably will. But you're going to be the main host, and I'll come around quite a bit. So this is part of our transition. Last time, people got to hear from you a fair bit to get to know you. And now we're going to, this is your, we're kind of turning the tables for you to take it over. Yes. So this is, yeah, this is definitely like our transitional episode. So you're right. Last time you were interviewing me as the host, but today we're switching it around and I will be interviewing you as a host. Awesome. All right. So our, my first question for you today is how are you doing? You know, I'm doing really well. Um, I appreciate you asking me that. So uh, I don't, I think, yeah, I think I told you the other day that our, my wife's and mine's oldest son was visiting um, from Los Angeles where he goes to school and he contracted COVID just before he got on the plane, but didn't know about it. So he arrived here, then got sick. And so he was here for about 10 days with COVID quarantining in our basement and he's okay now. We're totally fine. We've tested multiple times. We did not catch it. And so just feeling really grateful. Uh, and, and he just went back to Los Angeles yesterday after his quarantine. Well, it's great that, you know, you, that he's doing better. Your family was able to stay safe and healthy, even though your son did contract COVID. Um, how was that for you, quarantining at home with your son, knowing that your son uh, caught COVID? You know, it was, it was anxious, um, uh, particularly because my wife has some significant chronic health issues and so we really needed to be careful and she's really on top of stuff when it comes to that uh kind of health practices or protocols um so but but it was great to have him here because we were you know obviously able to to make sure he was okay and if there had been any problems to have had the health care here um as parents it was great to have him here um it was also i think really instructive to me as I think about like COVID and the reality of COVID in our lives, um, that the vaccine really does make a difference. That I'm quite confident that his level of exposure before we knew he had COVID, but when he was contagious, would have produced some COVID pot transmission to us. He also saw his grandparents. He saw some friends. Um, and yet none of them, none of us have contracted COVID and we're all vaccinated. So, you know, to me, it just, it just gives me a lot of confidence in, in the vaccine and how important it is.
Right. That's that's really great to hear that, you know, your your son experienced lesser symptoms because of his vaccine. So so yeah. since he's vaccinated, what were some of so so what what were some of those lesser symptoms that he experienced? Sure. He had a really bad headache um, for a couple of days. He had a low fever for several days. He um, he was foggy head, um, you know, not able to kind of like really stay focused or keep his mind focused on things for several days um, and was achy off and on um, and had a little bit of nausea off and on. So those were the things. It was like a bad cold kind of and, uh, and, not, a bad, and not a bad flu, like a light flu mixed together. Right. Okay. Well, it seems like he was able to recover pretty well seeing that he's um, back in Las Vegas today. Yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, oh, sorry, Los Angeles. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah he, 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 great. He, he, the quarantine, you know, follows CDC recommendations and everything. We were able to monitor it, talk to the school where he goes to college. And so really feel fortunate to have gone through it all with, uh, with care. Yep. That's great. That's great. That's great news for your family. I'm glad that you guys were able to push through that. And, you know, you've come out on the better side of it now. Yeah, Absolutely. So David, you you also have a you have a dog, right? We do. I'm looking at him right now. Why I looking at his his name is McDuff. McDuff. Oh yeah. So so I found out about McDuff recently, and I'm I'm a pretty big dog person. So could you tell us a little bit about McDuff? How old is he? Where did you get him? And kind of like how is he on an everyday basis? McDuff is like we don't know exactly how old he is. We think he's like seven years old. Oh, my wife says eight or nine uh, rescue dog. He was a rescue dog. And so we don't know exactly how old he is. Um, he has some, some uh, degenerative health <laughs> challenges. So we think he's a little bit older um, mm -hmm. and he's a very friendly dog. Very uh, 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 like, you know, likes to snuggle a lot. Uh, he sleeps a lot. He's also one of these hypoallergenic dogs who doesn't oh. shed because we, and that had to be the case because of my, my wife's allergies. Um, so he, like to me, it had like, if we were going to get a dog, this dog is as, about as good as you can get. Cause it doesn't, he doesn't shed. He's pretty friendly. Uh, he doesn't bark a ton. Uh, and he sleeps a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Well, he sounds like the perfect dog. That's, that's amazing. And um, what kind of breed of dog is he? Uh, let me see. Lisa, what kind of breed is he? He's a Havanese Poodle Mix. Havanese Poodle Mix. Oh, so is he like a medium-sized dog? Yeah, yeah, he's medium. He's not super small, and he's not big. He's like a nice medium size. Oh, that's really cute. That's great. Well, I just for viewers listening, um, I also have a pet. Um, I have a three-year-old black tuxedo cat named Kiba. Um, I got him from the Seattle Animal Shelter one year ago, and he's just been a joy to have during COVID. And I'm, I'm sure McDuff has done the same for you and your family, David, during COVID, um, you know, making you feel loved, making you feel connected. Yeah, he's really, really great to have here. It's, it's, uh, it's good to have him here just all the time. You know, he's a good, he does bark whenever there's somebody he doesn't know. <laughs> and, uh, and he's very friendly. What is, a, what is a tuxedo cat? What is that? Is that a breed? Well, the funny thing about cats, um, for our listeners as well, is that, you know, a lot of 
short hair cats, like my, my cat's short hair, basically his fur is really short. Um, a lot of short hair cats actually, it's hard to identify what breed they are exactly. A lot of people identify their cats by color. So like people, yeah. like, I have an orange cat or I have a tuxedo cat. So um, a tuxedo cat is a black and white cat. My cat has a black head, but a white tummy. And then he has white little mittens as well. So that's, oh. that's what a tuxedo cat is. But I, in terms of breed, he's basically an American short hair. So you kind of identify them by their length of their hair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But he's, he's a joy to have around too. He likes to sleep around all day as well. Same as McDuff. Um, <laughs> during meetings, he likes to walk on my keyboard and put his butt in front of the camera. So that listeners, you've probably seen that happen a few times in our community meetings as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's great. That's great to hear that your family and McDuff are doing well. Um, let's talk about common power a little bit here. Sure. So David, um, you identify as one of the co-founders of common power, correct? Yep, for sure. Right. So, so could you tell us a little bit about how common power, formerly common purpose kind of came to be? Yeah. So in, uh, I've been a professor at UW since 1998. Um, and I, uh, but the last two years I've been on leave there, you get to do that as a tenured faculty member and still keep your position, but I'm just about to be done there formally with the University of Washington, like officially. Um, but in my time there over the last decade, I have done a lot of public work with organizations. I've done workshops, I've done lectures, um, to help them think about communications in the politi American political arena, uh, understanding the, the, the campaigns that presidential candidates run, understanding what parties, political parties do, understanding how organizations can also adopt certain techniques and strategies. Um, so I've been doing this since 2007 when I started doing these kind of this work. And over time, a lot of people came, have come to these activities and, um, a number of them, after the 2016 election, uh, said to me, you know, I, we, need, we need to do some things. We don't know what to do, David. David, do you have ideas? And I had decided during the 2016 election that I was ready for something new. Um, I wanted to do something more in the civic arena besides be a professor. I love being a professor, but I wanted to be even more hands-on in the civic arena. So right. I, had I had decided that in 2019, when I was done as a chair, a department chair at the UW, that I would uh, at least go on leave and perhaps leave the University of Washington. Um, and so after the 20, I decided that in the, in the middle of 2016, and then after the election 2016, when people started asking me, what can we do and what should we do? I just started thinking and talking to a bunch of people. And... Um, you know, that's eventually where the idea of common purpose came from. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you first created the idea of common purpose, what were some of your values? What was the mission that you really wanted to create with common purpose? Sure. Uh, there were two core things. There were three core things. One was definitely wanted to be to do something around the, the kind of category of what we call a common power voting justice. 
uh, making sure that people have the chance to register to vote and to vote. Um, I believe voting in America is deep is a, is a step towards racial justice, and voting justice is necessary to get to racial justice. And so the first value was it was going to be around helping people who have been traditionally, historically excluded in from the political and voting process to be able to make a difference in this country. And that was like from the beginning, going to work to support those folks in our country who have been traditionally excluded. That is primarily black and brown Americans, but it is also on, on, in the western part of this country, Asian Americans. Um, and so I wanted to uh, that's a core value. A second core value was wanted to make sure that we did it in, with a sense of community, that we wouldn't do this solo. We wouldn't do it transactionally. We would do it with a group of people who would work together and would uh, strengthen one another <clears throat> and, uh, and find uh, sustenance together. So we call that community. Uh, and then third, it was absolutely essential to bring next generation leaders centrally into the organization. Um, and that's where it moved from like an idea that I was having talking to a few people very quickly to, to bringing to, together Audrey Musewe, um, Charles Douglas, who, who we met. And then um, there was another person, Audrey Vaughn as well. Uh, and so I didn't want to do it as just a, kind of 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds, I wanted to make sure there were some next-generation leaders uh, there as well, right from the very early on. Uh, and over time, we've really leaned hard into that in terms of the staff we've hired and also the way we build our teams. So three things in summary. Uh, a work towards voting justice, trying to elevate people who've been traditionally excluded. Second, uh, in community, in connection with, with people, not trying to do things solo. And third, putting next generation leaders at the at the kind of forefront of it all. Those three things are defining what we call non-negotiables for common purpose that has become common power. And they they continue to be our North Stars. Absolutely. That's amazing. So I have a few follow-up questions. So my first question is why voting justice? Why yeah, why do you feel that? Voting justice is important. It is an issue that deserves recognition and action to be taken on it. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a country that strives to be a democracy where people who are citizens and are 18 years old have a chance to have a voice in the process. Through And the, the primary power that everybody has, the most common power that we all have in a democracy is the power of the vote. Um, and I just feel in my kind of ethical core that we should, everybody should have the chance to exercise that. Um, and that it's wrong to make it harder for people to access that. So ethically, I feel that so. Also, I have been um, over the years, um, for over the last 20, 20 to 30 years of my life, deeply inspired by people who have fought to bring about voting justice in this country, which we often call voting rights, to bring right. about voting rights to people. Um, and, uh, and I've just been so inspired and I've had a chance to meet some of those people and they 
really deeply, deeply impacted me. Um, so I think the general sense that this is the right thing to be working on uh, in the category of kind of racial justice with this being a very concrete manifestation of how we work towards that um, merged with this sense that I stand on the shoulders of these We try to stand on the shoulders of people who I just, I'm just floored by. Um, it's just uh, those pieces together just make me like this focus like that. You know, that's what the, the, the deliverable is that for this organization. Deliverable first one is like the voting justice. And, uh, and that's just to me what, like what I want to I wanna work on. It's to me the best way I can live out being an ethical citizen in this country. Absolutely. So, so David, you also mentioned you want to fight for voting justice for marginalized communities here in the U.S. And you, know, you mentioned that these are typically black and brown folks. Um, minority communities. So my question is, David, you identify as a white man, correct? Yep. So why, why are these issues of people of color or these minorities communities of concern for you? Why, why do you feel that these issues are important and you know, as a white man, how do you feel that you use your power to uplift these communities? Um, I think that uh, I, I, there is this language that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. used where he talked about the mutual intertwining of kind of like human destiny and the human garment. And I, I just, I, I believe that. I, I think, I mean, it's idealistic and that's like, I believe it. So the human intertwining of us all is is uh, is something I I stand, you know, strongly in belief of, and um, I I'm really uh, angered by people who have sought to exclude certain populations. Uh, which are black, brown, Asian American, Native American populations that have been mm -hmm. sought to be excluded in this country from the political process. And when you study American history and American and American politics today, you just see these patterns that go across hundreds of years in this country. Um, and so I, I, so I, a, I believe that uh, about the interconnectionness. Second, I've studied these patterns of exclusion. And I've seen what is there and I've seen who's done the excluding, which is white people, particularly white men. Um, mm -hmm. And then third, I, in to pick up your particular question, like how have I used the positions I've had? Um, I've always believed that, that uh, the most important thing that I could do would be to provide opportunities and avenues for um, uh, impact among people who, uh, who don't get a seat at the table by default. Um, so that, that has been around racial identity, it has been around gender identity, and then has, uh, as my journey has gone, has been around sexual identity for me. 
Um, and those three pieces, um, they're just, so, so, so my, my measure of how I'm using my influence is are there opportunities being created for others that are, you know, are not white people of privilege. And I, I, I know I am educationally. Um, I know that at this point in my life, I am economically privileged. Um, I, that doesn't mean that my life has been easy at all. You know, there is a, a, a phraseology that, that the privilege doesn't mean there wasn't difficulty and the difficulty doesn't mean there wasn't privilege. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had my many challenges, but the reality is that I still start with a whole set of things in my favor. And it's imperative that I live that out in my job. So the content that I would teach about as a professor, the kinds of students I would provide opportunities to, who I would recruit, um, who I would hire when I would, or, or would seek to hire when I was department chair. And that now just carries over into who we hire and the kinds of people we recruit and the people we try to work for. So like to me, it's the first question always in any job or any position I have is like, who, who am I inviting to the table and who are we seeking to elevate? Like that is the, that is the most important thing to me. Um, and I have spent a lot of my career being in rooms where there just weren't many um, racial minorities and there weren't many, there weren't, uh, there were more, but not enough women. Okay. Right. And that, that's the rooms that I've been in professionally. And it's not okay for me. I just, I just, it's mm -hmm. just not where I want to be now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for such a wonderful answer, David, your commitment to providing opportunities to marginalized communities is the reason why you have a Chinese American 20 year old woman mm. hosting this podcast right now with you. Um, so thank you so much for all of that. We, well, you know, I, I, that's really kind of you to say that Julia, and it did strike me just now when you said those words. Uh, but I, I don't, you should, you don't, you don't, there's no thank you. You deserve this chance. You have earned this chance. You, I am, I am really happy to work with you. You have deserved this chance. And, and it's just, you're, you're going to open the door for every, for others too. So we're in this together. Thank you so much. We are absolutely in this together. So my next question is like kind of staying along the same line of thought is what advice do you have for people who are maybe just starting this journey or already embarked on this journey to uplift minority communities, marginalized communities as a white ally? So if I, this is a question, what advice would I have to other white people? Yes, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah. I think that I would probably say two things. The first is, um, it is, it is this, if you want to like actually try to figure out the, the racial realities in the United States and how you can contribute to them in a better, in a good way. If you really want to do that, then the first thing is, to recognize that it is all about you and it is not at all about you first. So what I mean by that is it's all about the whiteness that exists in this country and the ways in which it gets prioritized for defining intelligence for strength, for, uh, for goodness. And so being 
a person who identifies as white means that you are you are wrapped in that cocoon of of worldviews and so that's that's like you it's all about you are it is all about you because that is part of what has made you you um but on the other side of it the journey and the process is not at, not at all about you it's it's got it's got to be about caring about other people you when when you make mistakes when you are hurt when you mess up you have to just take it and move on and just keep trying to do better um and not not and if you you have pain that you just accept that pain and you kind of work it through um and you don't make it make yourself the center of things and so i think that that reality of like it's all about you and the whiteness you've lived with and you're part of and it's not at all about you on a day-to-day basis of in terms of the relationships that you're seeking to do like it's got to be about other people that'd be the first thing the second thing would be um are you willing to actually make changes to your life are you willing to to earn differential salaries are you willing to to uh to step backwards and allow other people to do things that you could do but that they don't usually get the chance to do and you are you willing to like just even though you got the skill set to do it are you willing to kind of say like this is not my moment um and so i call that kind of orienting your life to the goal are you willing to orient your life to the goal and um and that's that's to me the ultimate kind of measure of whether someone is really who's white is really willing to to kind of adjust um and uh so th- those would be what i'd say absolutely those are both really great advice for people to hear um I think the second point is something that's very difficult for a lot of people where it's like a lot of people say, yes, I love equality. Yes, I want to support black and brown communities. But oftentimes for a lot of people that ends right at as long as it doesn't inconvenience me in my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, David, that's that's the difference where, you know, I've. I've seen from the three weeks that I've worked with you is like, I've seen you create space for me. I, I know you're more than capable of hosting these podcasts yourself. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you do a, like you would do maybe even a better job than I am right now, but I've seen you step back and create space for people of color, younger people like me. And I, I really appreciate that. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people can and need to work on. Thanks, Julia. You know, yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you see that, and work. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're here for. I mean, like, absolutely. Like, I love. I I have already three weeks in. I am thoroughly enjoying working with you. And so, what a what a bummer it would be for everybody. Not only a bummer is not the best word. What an unfortunate situation it would be if we wouldn't wouldn't work to make this so right. Right. We would, right. We would all miss out. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're going to do so much with this podcast and it's going to be similar, but yet distinct to what it's been. And I'm going to be around plenty. I'll be talking politics. I don't want anybody who's listening to worry that I'm not going to be here plenty talking about politics and strategy. Um, but it is really, really important to me and to this organization and to, to your future, your development, to this, this democracy that you come in here and you get to operate this. So heck yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. 
All right. Yep. This was this has been a great podcast. It's been a joy, a pleasure talking to you more, David. Um, sharing with our listeners as well a little bit more about our co-founder, David Dompke. Um, yeah. Do you, so I think we're about to wrap it up here since we're coming up on the thirty-minute mark, and yeah. I'm sure our listeners have things to get to, and I'm sure you and I do as well. So thank you very much, um, listeners. We'll definitely have David Dompke back for politics talks um he'll be here a lot so this is not the last of him but i from here on out i will be hosting these podcasts we're going to aim for an episode a week maybe even more sometimes but be on the lookout for our podcast episodes sure and what do you think about this whole podbean app setup how are you feeling about it that's that's the for everybody who's listening that's the the uh, the play, the organization that hosts our our uh, our podcast Oh, I love it. I love that you can just call in. Um, I'm currently calling from my townhome near Roosevelt. Um, I love that we're able to do it from remote places because hopefully I can have some guests such as Sasha calling from Tennessee or Hiba calling from Wisconsin. And we can have a lot more wonderful conversations like the one we did today, David. Awesome. Good. Good. Well, you're just such a quick picker upper. You pick up things so quick and stuff. And I, I show you this and you're like, I don't need then the next thing I know, you know something I don't. I already don't know. I might need to have you come over and fix our TV, <laughs> okay? Because because like uh, we just adjusted a bunch of things, and now I don't. My cable is not working, and I you know. So there's like, I I'm like I need someone to come over and do it, and so like, but because you're so far, I show you one thing technologically, and then you leap ahead of me. It's awesome. You know, it may be the Gen Zer part of me, you know, growing up with the internet and computers and screens around me all the time. It's like, it's like my third hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, everybody, I want you to know that Julia is uh, superb. She's a, she's uh, ambitious. She is going to be great on this. And for our, and our donor engagement work, she's just already on fire with us. Um, so, you know, I'm glad to have her taking this over, uh, and uh, uh, looking forward, Julia, to just just keeping the role the role go the role moving ahead for us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to do more of these podcast episodes. I just want to quick quickly acknowledge that we have five active listeners right now, and that's amazing. <laughs> do we really? Okay. Yeah, right. we do. We have several active listeners right now. Hello to everyone. Thank you for joining. Um, we appreciate you guys being here and we hope you tune in for later podcast episodes as well. Awesome. See, like already, like they're like, oh wait, Julia's on here. I'm coming in. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they're like, oh, David's on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been here before. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to call it a day for today. Thank you so much for listening to the With CP podcast and we'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks, Julia. See ya. Right. Bye.